This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's your call sign, pilot? Um... We have to go. It's, um... Rogue? Rogue Ones. Rogue Ones? There is no Rogue Ones. Well, there is now. Hello and welcome to the Rogue Ones, a Star Wars and or podcast from the Playlist Podcast Network that dares you to put away the lightsabers, pick up the blasters, and see what this rebellion is really made of. I'm your co-host, Mike D'Angelo, and joining me is editor-in-chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Together, we've been diving lightspeed into season one of Andor right along with the fans each week. Many of those weeks, we also bring on special guests from the show to discuss stepping into the beloved and contentiously debated Star Wars universe, share teases for what's to come, and even talk about their favorite Star Wars films. This week, we'll be discussing episode 11 of the series entitled Daughter of Ferrix. And afterwards, we have two great interviews for you. First up with Duncan Powell, who plays Melshi on the show, followed by our conversation with Andor himself, Diego Luna. We finally got him. Uh, but before we jump into all that, I've got to tell you that The Rogue Ones is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, The Discourse, Deep Focus, Yellow Stoners, The Fourth Wall, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network to get this show and all of those that I just mentioned. Also drop us a comment or rating as we always appreciate it. All right. Rodrigo, episode 11 sees Andor and Melshi escaping via the cliffs and trying to rob some aliens of their ship with no weapons or really anything. And of course, they are captured. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Suffice to say, this is definitely a watch this episode before you listen to this podcast. I suppose that applies to every episode. As always. As always. Yeah. But but very much so this one, because we're like, you know, we've got one episode left after this. It's really it's coming to an end. It's all building. It's becoming very symphonic. It's all roads lead to one place, Mm -hmm. um, which is clear by the end of this episode. And uh, and now things are are really, uh, you know, it's already been on. But like, yeah, man, this is a good episode, right? Yeah, it's it's very much a, a lead up to the next episode it's setting yes. all the the chess pieces on the board in a way for a big finish basically so and and i'm very much looking forward to seeing how that plays out yeah i think chess is a good analogy because i think this whole show has kind of been like that right it's been very thoughtful about setting up everything whether mm-hmm. it's character arcs that pay off you know everything that we've all ever talked about on this show like predictions about stuff like all that stuff comes to pass in one way or another whether we're right or not like it's all bearing fruit and the big thing, of course, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, is that Marva finally passes away. Yeah. We've been seeing it coming. She's been sick. She's been getting worse and worse. 
this basically sets everything and everyone on a path for Ferrix. Once they hear about it, it's like Ferrix, Ferrix, Ferrix. We got to go to Ferrix. Yeah, we know we know a funeral's happening. We know that's going to draw in Cassian. We know the Empire knows that's going to draw draw in Cassian. We know that Vel and Luthen's people know that Cassian's going to be there. So all roads are heading back to Ferrix, like for a big finale. And yeah, I mean the you know I I, I kind of predicted that early on. You know, and Marv kind of had to go. It's like she's a a very a big catalyst for Cassian, right? Like we again, like you know, we we have to like we have to continue, or they have to continue, like wounding this man and really piercing his soul of like everything he's experienced, right? And Marva, as we know, was you know, I think it was in the episode, the announcement, which is you know, I still love that episode because of the title, because it's like. This wasn't just a heist; it was an announcement, right? It's it's right. a call to the it's a call to the galaxy um, about what happened. And she's and we and we know from I believe it was either that one or the the one after, or it's you know we've, it's all kind of <laughs> melded together. But it's like the announcement worked for her. It was such a galvanizing moment for her. You know, I remember that that line where, and I think it's in the beginning of this episode when they're teasing, uh, you know, when they're flashing back to key parts, and they flash back to that key part where she's like, you know. I can't leave and you can't stay. And he doesn't really understand, right? Like he he doesn't, he's dying to tell her about what happened with Aldani, right. but he can't, but she's been, she's been woken up, right? She's been fully like awoken from her slumber of like, you know, fuck this is, you know, we can't keep, you know, our heads in the sand anymore. Something needs to be done about this. And this Aldani thing is a real call to arms. And and it's certainly woken her up and it's certainly starting to wake up the entire galaxy. But she's the one that's really represented in the show as sort of like really hearing the call of Aldani in, a, in an emotional kind of spiritual kind of effective way. And, you know, that's what separates her from from Cassie. And even though he doesn't quite understand it, he's he's coming to understand it now. But yeah. yeah. And then she passes and then and it's just so how you know, heartbreaking is it that that B2 scene where you're seeing it through yeah. his eyes, basically everybody rifling through things. Yeah. I mean, that was really good. Right. It really gives like a heart and soul to yeah. that character, you know, that he's, uh, you know, he's this little droid. He's whatever. But he's he's also an, an emotional thing. And um, and she's yeah. all he's known. You know, he's been with her forever. Right. Yeah. And it's like he's just this kind of old bucket of bolts who doesn't know anything but her. Yeah, it is. It is quite painful. Right. Right. I was surprised how much I cared about B2 by this episode. And then we just kind of have everybody watching them, you know, even uh, Cyril hears about the death of of Marva and his. And he's got to get there, too. Yeah. So, yeah, no one is. Who who has mattered in this show is going to be absent from that funeral, I'm sure. It's it's a really elegant way to get everyone in the same place because it's organic and it's and it makes sense. Like everybody's mm-hmm. been after Cassian. Everybody's been trying to find him for various different reasons. And now here's a very logical reason to put him in one place where everybody knows he'll be. So it's as I suppose some people could say it's like convenient, but it's like it's quite elegant this the way they they, they figured this all out. And, you know, because uh, everybody's, you know, wants a piece of him for various reasons. So, yeah, it's going to be explosive. Um, we also see Mon, you know, her situation. I mean, pretty much when when she was propositioned by Davos, you you knew she was already in that corner. She just needed to realize that he was her only way out. And I yeah. think this is her realizing that. When yep. she's laying it out to Vel, the path yeah. that's laid out for her. It's heartbreaking too, right? Because we see her and we see her in, in her daughter in that scene. And, 
her and Val, Mon and, and Val are talking about like, what is she doing? And we don't really understand, but we understand that it, it's great because we don't fully understand what it is, but it's essentially, it's like, this is some form of extremism, right? Right. It's like fundamentalist sort of, religion. Yeah. Some sort of religious, it's like Val's like, what? And it's just pushing that, that idea more and more that this girl, this family is totally estranged from this woman. And mm-hmm. this woman is totally estranged from them. And there's nothing she can do. Like, it just keeps getting worse and worse for her. And we know that this is going to happen. Like, it just, like, it doesn't seem like there's any other choice for her, right? She's been boxed in. She's been put into a corner, which the show, again, has really elegantly done in their writing. She's, and they talk about this with the the finances and stuff. It's looking really, really dire. The empire is going to be starting to look into this. And she's got essentially one, one way out, right? It's like everybody <laughs> had, everybody had one way out and hers is going to be likely to, to do this deal with with Darvos or whatever this character's name is is to and if not betroth her daughter to his son at least make an introduction and you know it's almost like her daughter would probably love it just because it would be rebellious and her daughter's so rebellious but well you yeah, know it's it's part of the tradition it's more in that that way of right and her daughter is fundamentally old school and all this stuff and and it's so great like Val's like what like she's doing what and and again you know we don't exactly know what it is but it it's it's still we feel it right yeah, it's uh, a heartbreaking scene there, too, just because she is obviously on the edge of tears the whole time. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because because she knows, right? It's heartbreaking. Right. She knows where this is headed. She knows that, you know, she's going to be, if not physically divorced from her family, she's going to be emotionally and spiritually and psychologically divorced from them because she knows where this is all going. Mm-hmm. And then we get another surprise appearance from Saw Gerrera. I did not expect him to show up again. I thought he was just going to be a quick cameo. But this scene with him and Luthen. Very good. Yeah, where they're talking about what to do about Krieger. Wow. It's just like Luthen putting on another clinic, basically. (laughs) Yeah, another great scene. I didn't expect him either. It was a nice surprise to see him again because it is so essential, right? It's so like, it's really like pushing that the idea that like, look, man, this is like, yeah, what we're going to, what we're about to do here, if we're going to do it, it's like your choice, your call, Saul. But like, this is going to be horrible. But it's like, you know, I like, you know, when Saul says like, or Saul says, uh, we're the greater good. And then he's like, yeah, we'll call it what you, what you will, I guess, you know, they both know that it's, it's war and and it's immoral. What's kind of great though, is that like, we haven't seen too many cracks in Luthen. We've Mm. always seen a guy, you know, I've always said that like, you know, this is a guy who is essentially, everyone's moving towards his point of view, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, he's very, um, uh, uh, clear and 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 thorough in terms of his uh, ideology, and and then I start to think about it a little bit, and he is as dark and 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 you know absolutist as he is, and and you know the sort of all these like accelerationist ideas that he's done of like you know making chaos on purpose to create you know like he like you know every time something horrible happens, everyone's like this is terrible, and he's like no, this is good because you know mm-hmm. he knows it's going to like light up the galaxy right but but it's like you're gonna have you're gonna have to like destroy or or break a lot of eggs for this thing to happen but any anyhow i said essentially like he's a little bit more conflicted than i think i originally thought like you do see the embers of like of like empathy here and sort of like quiet pain of like you know i thought this was the right thing to do burn into krieger now i don't know but like you know it's it's your call you know i think and i think back to some of the scenes with lita right and and Mm. aldani about like what has happened and stuff and he is kind of like a little bit more quietly conflicted than i maybe once believed you know like he does have a soul and i think you know even in that last episode in episode 10 at the end of it 
I think it's almost like an elegy for his soul, right? Yeah. Like as he's talking to um, Lonnie. Yes. Um, by the way, I love that actor. Um, I love all these, uh, so many of these like character actors that we don't, haven't really seen, but they're all so good. You know, mm-hmm. like the guy who plays part of gas, all these, all these people are so good. But yeah, the, the scene with Saw is just some more good shit. And I, I love the, how it hints towards uh, Saw's paranoia. Like, you know, are you ISB? Are you yeah. this and that? Because we know we know at some point down the line, Saw Guerrero is going to be compu- con- consumed by paranoia, right? Because right. He, he doesn't know who to trust. And again, he's pushed into a desperate, like, you know, by the time we see him, he's practically Darth Vader. He's been blown up. He's been, he's been fucked over, all this and that. He's like this robot kind of figure by the end. And he's just riddled with like paranoia and anxiety and fear right yeah and luthan is uh, smart enough to know to pull a gun on him because that's going to snap him back into place <laughs> it's just like i need you that was great life. especially what saw's line was like something like are you fucking kidding me you'll never yeah. you'll never you won't make you won't you pull this thing on me you won't you won't make the two steps away to your ship like after that if you dare you know right well, speaking, you know, like like you said before, those bit actors that are really shining on the show. Let's set up Duncan Powell. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, who plays Melshi, who we've talked about in pr- past episodes. If you need a quick refresher, Melshi is one of the I would guess you probably call him the third um, uh, main character of the prison. The, the, the prison characters were obviously Cassian and Kino Loy, played by Andy Serkis. But on the fringes of, of, of that is is Melshi, who's the one kind of character if you're paying attention he sort of like uh, also awakens uh, a little bit when Cassian arrives because he knows that Cassian sort of like he can sort of tell that Cassian's checking all the angles and he's been used to Kino Loy who is shutting uh, him down at every avenue yeah yeah and Kino Loy's a believer right Kino Loy was always like just do the work you got a date you'll get out that's his end game right Kino Loy is like this this very practical kind of man and Kino Loy's world obviously is blown to bits when he realizes oh you know this whole belief you've had if we just like keep working at it and you do your shifts you'll get out of here it's like you're actually not getting out of here that destroys his world but you know i think melcy is it's much more of cassian's point of view being of like yeah you know, he even says it earlier on like you know when i think one of the first lines when cassian when he's like look at your numbers and stuff like that and he said he says something along the lines to suggest that like yeah man i don't know look at your numbers if you want but i don't know if it's going to mean much you know yeah yeah. He's, he's pretty skeptical about it too. So he's already there. He essentially escapes with, with Cassian at the end. Um, they're the two who swim away and they're the two who make it. We don't, we don't have any clue of anybody else who makes it from the Narkina five planet. Neither do um, they. They have no idea. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't, they, they're like, do you think anybody else made it? We have no idea. And so, and Melshi is, you know, to tie this all back, he's one of the characters in, in Rogue One. He's a sergeant. Again, he's kind of on the fringes. He is, if the Rogue One team is, kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff throughout that movie he's always there he's the one who who frees Jin at the very beginning of the movie with k2so he's mm-hmm. at the battle of scarif he's you know when when cassian when they drop the huge bombs in rogue one at the end you know like he says light it up melshi you know he's like he's the one who who's in charge of of, of a lot of this stuff so um yeah he's a, a small but key character and i talked to him and it was really cool talking to duncan he's he's uh he was really great couple interesting things uh he mentioned to me that uh he revealed that that his character was essentially a creation of the the rogue one and one reshoots he was was kind of a different a pilot character almost yeah he was a fighter pilot and then in through from the sounds of it like just talking casually to tony gilroy on set somehow tony after that tony gilroy wrote him a bigger part and transformed his part into instead of this fighter pilot is is a a a right-hand man kind of 
to to Andor, who's like a a, a sergeant and lieutenant to him, and he's you know part of all that stuff. So, which also speaks a lot to Rogue One and like, oh wow. And you think about okay, that Wabani opening scene was not in the movie originally, or or was done very differently, right? Um, you know that changes the Battle of Scarif. We know that kind of, to many many ways that that was really um completely really reshot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's really interesting. And and uh, uh, Duncan was really cool. The other thing that I thought was uh, you know, fairly eye-opening is that, you know, at the end of this episode, like I thought, okay, so, so, you know, we've got Melshi's going to be a, a, a part of the rebellion and stuff like that, but he actually parts ways with uh, Cassian at the, at the end of this episode, they decide to essentially like, we need to, we need to let people, we need to double our chances. We need to let the world know what's happening. If there's two of us in two different directions to let people know mm-hmm. or people will know. And they, they um, go their separate ways we know that they'll eventually meet up again because they will both become part of the rebellion. But I was also asking him about season two, if he was a major part and, and he said, you know, I, I don't really know right now. So given that they've split up and then season two will, uh, you know, pick up when, as the rebellion starts to, to build uh, my, my guess is that Melshi probably doesn't come in until maybe in the second half, maybe like similarly how he doesn't come, come into the second half of this first season. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. And then, of course, we have Andor himself. We have Diego Luna uh, jumping on after we get to our Duncan Powell interview. This one, I don't want to, you know, give away too much of what we talked about. But Diego, the just the what I took away from it is how much he loves and believes in this show and really, really cares. And that was kind of a beautiful, beautiful thing. I left smiling from that interview because he was such a really great guy and a really great interview. Yeah, for sure. Like he didn't really reveal much to us about, you know, if people are looking for like, you know, what does this mean in that? And he didn't, you know, he was pretty tight lipped even when we asked about season two and stuff like that. But like he was just like everything like it's so meaningful to him. And he, he's obviously like really cares and loves the show and his characters and the fandom around it. And and it's it, you can tell that like the this the show and all it's trying to say is is very meaningful to him. He was very passionate about all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he should be very, you know, happy and passionate about this show because it's outstanding. As a reminder, we will be back next week for the finale episode of The Rogue One. So check back for that recap and one final big interview that we're scheduling Uh, for Rodrigo and myself. Stay rebellious. How you doing, Duncan? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I, you know, we do this podcast. We call it. It's called the Rogue Ones. You know, it's weekly for Andor. We really love this show. We loved Rogue One, and you know, I'd been hoping that we would see you and or one of these characters because you know, I'm such a big Rogue One fan. I love the the idea of sacrifice, which is such a you know, all these men and women. And aliens and 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 people and all these things that they did, you know, they're the unsung heroes of this story, and it's treated really seriously. And you're one of those people. And I was hoping, I was like, I hope at some point we get to see, you know, some of these characters, and you specifically, because I felt you're very much on the 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 corner and the fringes of that original movie. Is that fair to say? Like, you know, you're you're right there. Like, you're one of the, you're the first rebel we see almost uh, at the beginning of the movie in Rogue One. Right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, sure. And um, well, you know, I, I'm always um, super interested in people in life where they, you know, they give everything to a cause. And while Sergeant Melshi in, in Rogue One is is one of those people. And uh, yeah, to, to be a part of the 
the story in, in, in Rogue One. And, and you, like you say, you see him right at the beginning. And of course, uh, without wanting to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but I'm guessing anyone who listens to your podcast has probably seen the movie. Um, so, you know, to give his life and be prepared to give his life on uh, on Scarif. That in and of itself is is an interesting story for a for a character and for an, an actor to play. Um, and so to explore what made uh, Melshi Sergeant Melshi, and to be you know given the opportunity to do that, well, for me was a was a blessing and a gift. How did that happen? How did it come around? Did 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 did, did you just get like? I'm sure, at one point, someone has to reach out and be like, "Hey," and that's got to be like a, a wonderful surprise, right? Well, it, it's it's a, well the the whole thing for me was was super mystic and and synchronistic. You know, I I had a part in Rogue One uh, originally as a fighter pilot. I had been involved with the production in various capacities, you know, early on. And then I came in uh, for the for the reshoots, and all of a sudden, after bumping in or having a conversation with Tony, really uh, about Buddhism, funnily enough, uh, I, I found that the the character of of Melshi had been written into into some of the the, the stuff in in Rogue One, and uh, well, that's that's how it came about initially. And with the uh, Andor, well, you always kind of hope. You know, I grew up as a, a Star Wars fan. You know, the, the first movie I ever saw at the cinema was uh, where I grew up in Lockerbie was The Empire Strikes Back. I remember going to see something of that scale and to be in a cinema for the first time, you know. to So I, I've been a fan of this all the way through. So when I first heard about Andor, I was really optimistic that I, I might be able to be involved. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, Tony called me up. Um, just as I was about to go and go and take a trip to see some friends actually in, in South America, bizarrely. And he said, hey, go and have fun down there. And, and well, we'll catch up in London when you get back. And of course, <laughs> while I was away, the world locked itself down. It was it was. Uh, so this would be early 2020. And yeah, I, I remember thinking Right, I kind of think I should probably be getting home. You know, everything was shutting down in South America and, and still back in, in the UK, nothing was really shutting down. So I managed to get myself home. And I remember reaching out to Tony and, uh, and saying, hey, I, I just got back to London. You know, are, are you here? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm back in New York. And I, I'm probably going to, uh, well, let's see how, this, how long this thing uh, lasts. And that was it. So I, I kind of got told I was going to be doing the job. And then everything was up in the air again. So, uh, yeah, I spent a year, bizarrely, close to a year at home with my mother uh, because I was in the process of moving house. It was... Uh, <laughs> The most bizarre thing. And then uh, in March, well, uh, maybe it was March 2021, maybe before that, actually, um, Tony called again to say, you know, we're, we're going and we're starting and this is where you're going in and this is what's going to happen. And I remember saying to me, you know, are you in shape? And I remember saying, yes, of course I'm in shape. I haven't spent the whole of lockdown in the back garden with my mum drinking gin and tonic and putting the world to rights. <laughs> so I, I had a, a very short period of time to get into shape. So uh, yeah, that, that's how it came about. Wow, that's great. That's great. It's really interesting to hear. So if I'm if I'm hearing you right, you, you basically, you were in Rogue One to begin with, but you're, you, you essentially got fleshed out or, or your character changed in the reshoots. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's the that's 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 how it came about. I came on on board really in in the reshoots. That was a uh, yeah, like I say, I think in life sometimes 
you are in the right place at the right time. And I, I, I don't know, I always have felt that, well, if you, if you work hard and you're polite and you're, <laughs> you're, and you try and do good things, then eventually mystic things will happen. And that, that's really my experience of, of being involved in Star Wars. You know, it's for me is, a, a, you know, I remember Tony when he called to talk about Andor and then we spoke in between and we've spoken this summer and I, I can't remember what conversation he said, but he said, no matter what else you do in your career, you are in the beginning of what is the greatest movie franchise, franchise full stop of all time. No matter what else you do, you are the, the beginning, the entry into, into this, whole, this whole story. Sometimes I try not to think about it too much because I think my, my mind would fold in upon itself. Because if you would said to me, you know, 10 years ago that I would be here having this conversation with you, having been in a show as, uh, for me as a fan, as, as uh, spectacular as Andor, I, would, I wouldn't believe you. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, man, we've been doing so many of these interviews. I spoke to Diego like an hour ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I met him briefly in 2016 at the Lucasfilm store and I was buying Star Wars stuff for my children and Diego was there buying stuff for his children. And we were like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm like, and he said, I got to get stuff for my kids. And I was like, I'm doing the exact same thing. And then to think, you know, and that was just like a random quick meeting, you know, it was the junket. I just happened to be there. He was there. And then we cut to like, you know, uh, uh, six years later, eight years, like whatever it is. And, 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 you know, he's, back at it again you know he wouldn't he couldn't have believed it either you know yeah for sure the, the, one of the things I think for me um about working on this uh on Andor on the show has been the people it's always the people wherever you go it's always the people but on on this show in particular first of all uh, you know Diego and I, I worked uh with Andy Circus as well and of course the the producers uh Tony and Sana and David and Kate and you know, all these guys. Um, but Diego, I will always remember the first day. And I remember thinking, because it was six years between, well, five or six years between Rogue One and, and Ando, I remember thinking, I wonder if he'll remember who I am. Now, of course. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a small Scottish village thing to think, because, you know, right. Diego's one of the execs on the show. So, of course, he knows the story. He's been involved in the, mm -hmm. in the whole process. So he, he knew I was coming back. And, of course, he remembered. But, yeah, the, the, the conversations, and I, I sometimes feel... Um, working uh, in this industry you can find yourself in places where you know you're trying to do your best you're trying to do your thing and maybe you're you're not always met with the fullness of humanity uh, uh, that, that you'd hope to be but on this show it has been from the very start you know being welcomed in and, and being uh, being made to feel a part of everything uh, you know in the process on the floor and uh, and in conversation and yeah, it's, well, it's, I keep saying it's been a gift, and and, and that's how it feels, you know. The, the the and I'm sure you've you've spoken to uh, many of the actors, and and I know you've spoken to Tony. I've been I've been listening to your interviews, yeah. and uh, so you know yourself. These are really you know not just super talented human beings, but really really, really good human beings. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it, it was such a nice treat to to see you, and you pop up in this way. Uh, it was such, I mean, amazing. Yeah. D Diego and, and Andy, right? Like, wow. <laughs> and, and so tell me about that, that prison stuff and, and all that, you know, we still don't quite have a sense of, I mean, I think if you're a, a deep fan, you have a sense of who Mel she is, but 
do you think we're gonna that's gonna get fleshed out more? And I mean, there's still two more episodes to go where you're <laughs> you're still around. And and tell me about who you who you think Mel she is, or 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 you know, as a, as a person, because we still well, haven't. You we get a little bit of that in Rogue One, I think, if you're paying attention. Yeah, of course. Well, um, you know, I uh, when I, I shot Rogue One, it all happened so quickly, but the process of of doing the work and understanding the the, the the character for me always 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 no matter what it is that I do the character comes personally yeah. from the lines on the page yeah. that's that's my that's me personally is my introduction to the to the to the character how does the how do the words feel in your mouth and 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 you know you start to feel it out that that's you know has always been my 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 process is the dialogue yeah. um and uh well when we were talking about Ando, when, when Tony first called, I still have all of my notes, you know, that I, I, I take when, 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 when Tony calls, I, I get in a conversation with him and, and then I start thinking, I, I need to be writing this stuff down, you know, yeah. so I have pages and pages of these little notes, whatever I can find, you know, I wrote these in my mom's house. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that, that Tony said was uh, that he's an independent thinker, first and foremost. And I spent some time talking to Tony and, and we, uh, he knows a little bit about me and, and the, th- the things that I'd been through and, and lived in my life. And, you know, he, he, he intonated that, that, you know, there was a little bit of me in the character in the sense that I like to think that as a human being, I, I'm quite free, you know? And, and what I mean by that is I try to, to cultivate a way of life whereby there's so much information that we are uh, constantly being bombarded with that, to really feel the truth of yourself and not be swayed by the things you listen to or the things you hear or the things you read. And then when you find yourself in conversation with other people, not to be repeating those things. For me, I endeavor on a daily basis to take the time to just really kind of feel and think myself, what do I feel about this situation? And I think always as human beings, we, if we get really quiet, if we can take the time to get quiet, We'll, we'll start to feel ourselves in a, in a different way. And when you feel yourself in a different way, you start to feel the things that are true and the things that are false, the things that are good for you and the things that are bad for you. I'm sure all of us at some point in our lives have been presented with a choice. Shall I do this thing? And the initial instinct we, we've had is we probably shouldn't do this thing. And then what will happen is we will, uh, well, we'll get influenced by people around us and and you maybe will go along with the crowd or you'll, you'll go against that initial instinct. And then terrible things will happen. And afterwards, when you're sitting in the, in the detritus of the chaos, you'll say to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have done that because you felt it, right? right. Uh, and, and so I, I feel Melsey's that kind of a guy, somebody who is feeling for himself what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And I think that's something you get in the prison right at the beginning. You know, his first words to, to, to Cassian. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. You know, uh, don't look at the numbers. You're not getting out of here. Those days are gone. You know, so immediately, this is a man I feel who it's not that he's resigned to his fate. I think he's kind of 
he's not ambivalent, of course, but he understands that this is where he is. He's, he understands that, that what he's being told and what he's being fed are untruths. And I think there's been a part of him that has been hoping at some point somebody would walk into that. So I think he's a man who's an independent thinker, who's okay with how everything is, but also someone who believes at some point someone's going to walk in here and they are going to feel the same thing that I feel. And well, let's see what happens when that happens. Yeah, I feel like you get that even with like, you know, limited dialogue just through your, the, the, your, your you know, and then acting like that is wonderful. But like, it seems like when when Cassian shows up, your character is like, okay, you know, immediately you're turned on. Let's pay attention to this guy. This can be some, this can go somewhere. There's some there, there here, you know, whereas, you know, uh, Kino Loy, his character is is really the opposite, right? Like he he doesn't want to make waves. He doesn't, and and your character, when, when, when Cassian's speaking, you can sort of see the machinations of your brain going like, okay. Whereas Cassian has to essentially recruit Kino Loy to his point of view, right? It's essentially what the arc is of the three episodes. And also what I'm hearing from you, which is what I get from Rogue One, even, you know, with limited dialogue and things is I get a character who is a man of quiet conviction, which I think is just a sort of another way of saying what you're kind of saying. Yeah, this, this is, look, you don't put yourself in a position where you're prepared to give your life for a cause if it's not something you believe to be true. Yeah. And, 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 and this is the, and this, this for me is the, the whole, you know, the, the kind of the, the ethos of any sort of a revolution. It comes about because the people that, that stand up to fight, they feel inherently that yeah. this is a cause. Of course, you don't want to die for it, but it's one, if that's what happens, then it's something that, that, that's worthwhile. And I don't think, uh, you know, the Melchie's a man that, that would, put himself in a, in a in a position to sacrifice everything without feeling that absolutely it's the it's the right thing to do what's great about the writing on the show too which i love is that like it's not as simple as like yeah this is a cause that i believe in everyone's put into these situations that are so desperate that help move your ideology towards that right like cassian has zero interest in being involved in any of this but slowly through the machinations of everything that happens he's illustrated and demonstrated how dire everything is to the point that when he gets to that prison and in that situation, he's kind of, whether he's conscious of it or not, he knows that he has to do something. He's pushed to the point of desperation. You're never getting out of here, right? There's one way out. Mm -hmm. And what's what I love also about the writing, the thematic stuff, like the one way out essentially in one saying another is like rebellion or some sort of revolt. If you're going to follow suit, you're in here forever. Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, I, I think when you, you know when we meet uh, Cassian at the start, he's a well, he's a thief, a, a mercenary, you know, and uh, he, he's somebody who isn't somebody who cares too much about anything other than himself and the the, the people that are uh, closest to him. And I think a, a lot of us can be guilty of that in life. And I think uh, as human beings, when we are put in a position where we have to think above and beyond that circle. We have to grow into this uh, situation. What is it that, that forces that change? And I think with, um, with, with Cassian, what happens in prison is, well, he, he's been put there unfairly, and then he starts to see the, the, the kind of the machinations of the, of the empire. The reality sets in. And when that reality sets in, he can see that, 
unless he does something, nobody else is going to, yeah. because everybody else is in there is, you know, has, has been, you know, almost brainwashed to the, these numbers that are ticking down day by day and that you're yeah. going to be released, you know? And, uh, and he starts to question that very early on, but what he needs is, is, is people. I mean, how do you convince people even in, in that microcosm of the microcosm of the, yeah. of the prison and in the, the whole, the whole galaxy, the whole star Wars story, you know, what he's been challenged to do is rise people up inside of the prison and say, hey, look, listen, you could die here, but better to die fighting to live than just living to die. And I, I think that's the, the, the process. And so when he's in there, you can see that he starts to almost, uh, well, it's sometimes greatness as human beings is, is forced upon us. You know, we, yeah. you, know you look, look throughout uh, history, the, the truly great human beings aren't people that have set out to be truly great human beings. They have found themselves in a scenario where they see uh, unfairness, you know, and they have found themselves in a position where they've had to give their whole lives to fight for what they believe to be true or right. And of course, we call them great people, but they, they are, I feel, ordinary people that have been put into a life scenario where, where they have to make a choice. And ordinary people pushed into extraordinary circumstances, right? Exactly right. And that there is, is for me, is the, is, is the story of Ando. I totally agree. And I, I love, I, I love that he's maybe not even, you know, you can say on one level, oh, he's becoming a leader here, but I don't think he's conscious about it in that term. No. This is survival, right? This is instinct. Yeah. This is desperation and panic. I, I'm not thinking about, I want to be the great leader here. I want to get out of here. So in order to get out of here, I need to convince people. And he's doing all this stuff strategically, so intelligently in a way that he's not probably conscious that this is, wow, this is great leadership. He understands he's got to get Kino. He understands that, oh, Melshi's already on my point of view. So it's like, it's pretty great that way. Let me ask you about, because obviously you're going to be around for season two. Your character does not, we know your character does not die <laughs> until uh, the end of Rogue One. That That's the one inevitability we know. So, uh, I mean, that's got to be fun. And I know you guys are gearing up to shoot. Are, are we going to get more of your character and learn more of his inner world and all that? Well, I hope so. Uh, I, I, you know, the thing is with, with season two, you know about as much as I do. You know, mm. and, and what I know is, uh, well, I, I, I die in the movie. So uh, between there, uh, between where we are now and, and, and there, you know, there's a there's a story to be told. And uh, I'm sure you'll you'll find out more. I'm sure of of the story of all of the characters that you see in, in season one. And well, that's about all I can say. <laughs> you, gotta get, uh, you know we're like really obsessed and we're like really pouring over like I've watched every episode at least twice I'm so yeah. into and I don't do that with anything do you got any fun teases for 11 or 12 of what we can expect because this is the last two and you know we are I mean the end of that episode too 10 with uh, Stellan my god yeah. that's good stuff right yeah I mean look listen I, I I'm the same I have and I'm um the kind of of human being that that uh that doesn't like to watch themselves at work but as a as a fan of uh, of Star Wars, like I say, from a young age, of course I have I've watched this show um, from the beginning, and of course I've watched it with my mum and my my stepfather and uh, my sister and and my and my girlfriend. So I've watched the show on countless occasions. Of course, when I appear in it, the thing I'm thinking is I because it, you know the willing suspension of disbelief is one thing, but to to, to see yourself. 
you just kind of hope that uh, well, it's uh, you know, you you've, that, that what you did while you were there translates to be a part of something as as uh, well that I've enjoyed watching all the way through. And for me, I've had to watch myself two or three times in each episode. So I'm the same as you. I poured over it. You know, I've I've watched it, and I you know, for me, I feel it's uh, it's faultless. And so all I can say is, if we're ten episodes in and we're talking how how great it is and how many times we've watched it, <laughs> I feel with, with with Tony and and Danny and Bo and and uh, the the team that are behind this, the writers that are behind uh, season one and going into season two, I think uh, well, it, it, if you've enjoyed it so far, I personally I feel it's just going to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. I I, I feel this when we get to the end of it is. Is going to be something that we look back on as one of the most beautiful Star Wars stories, for sure. I, yeah, I can't wait. I, I really think so already. I really love how how different it is, how thoughtful it is, how the sort of, you know, even that, like we were talking about with Melcy, the deep conviction, you can feel that in every aspect, the writing, the, the music. There's a, a real, yeah, just a, to, a total conviction of 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 of, uh, of character and 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 beliefs and all of it. It's just really great. So, yeah, man, thanks so much for taking the time. I I can't wait to see more, and I can't wait to more see more of you. And let's uh, let's hope that uh, there's it's, we'll talk again in season two because I'm 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 rooting for Melshi. I really I've always I don't know I just thought that character is great. I I wanted to see more. I like. You know, every time there's a Rogue One thing, I'm like, wait, give me five minutes more of this guy. <laughs> you think there's like... And, and, and then you, here you are, you got your wish. He's right here. <laughs> you think, do you think if you, if they did a longer cut of Rogue One, there would be more of that? Oh, I don't have the answer to that question. Uh, <laughs> these, these, are, these are things I, I just, I, I have, I, what I know is, as in life, everything is always uh, perfect. But this particular uh series of events uh rogue one and under for me is is absolutely flawless so to be a part of that is i've said it a few times i'll say it one last time <laughs> perfect perfect well thank you so much for taking the time i really appreciate it i can't wait to get to the end of the season and then wait for more thank you brother Diego, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, we host a, an Andor-specific podcast called The Rogue Ones because we love it so much. Congratulations on an amazing piece of Star Wars. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad yeah. to do this, uh, and uh, thank you for your words. Yeah, we spoke with many of your cohorts, Tony, all the uh, most of the cast. This is a, a huge privilege, but I do want to start out with something that I heard from actually Pedro Pascal. When he was talking about what makes the Mandalorian special, he said, I think there isn't anything cooler than someone discovering who they are with relentless reluctance, which is very cool. What is it that you think makes Andor special? Wow. That's, um, I could write a book about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've been reflecting on that for five years. Uh, I would say that uh, the structure of, of the series is what's, what's, what what makes it so unique you know uh once you know this character is capable of giving everything everything for a cause that he's willing to sacrifice what you and i probably wouldn't he is willing to do that to bring change once you understand someone is capable of that going back and finding out 
that you have so much in common that you can that you could have so much in common with someone like that makes it really interesting as audience i think to watch you know to witness the journey of of, of this man is it should feel as grounded as yours you know uh, as rich and as as complex as yours uh the idea is that you go through this journey saying like damn is really that guy the one i saw in rogue one is that possible that that transformation that awakening is possible and uh and i think it's it's what tony's been doing in a in the most beautiful and profound way you know because there's no moment of of the life of cassian or or, or at least of this five years we're visiting we, we we're learning uh this five years previous uh rogue one there's nothing that you cannot connect to your life i think i think that's what 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 they've done in a in a fabulous way you know uh yes this happens in a galaxy far far away but damn it has so much to do with the my life you know with the world i live in uh you know with the way i relate to uh my mother to my friends to my city to my job to injustice to oppression so i think i think that's what is special about this show and makes it quite unique i mean in a way it's like what you're saying is like it's almost asking like what are you capable of as a human being right um and it's showing us like the the incredible things that that cassian discovers that he's capable of was it like and to us it's like astonishing how different this is from i don't know i guess traditional star wars and we love it for that was that a surprise to you or was that always baked in when you had your initial conversations with tony like on how different it was going to be it was not just a decision it was like and i think an amazing challenge we we were we were asked to do you know and i think i think we can blame rogue one for this you know <laughs> uh rogue one it was meant to be different Yeah. it was the first like star wars story stand alone they found many many ways to say that it was supposed to be different the first big difference it, it's it had a beginning and an end right yeah that was it it was one thing you know it was one thing and it had a lot to do with the film i was doing all my life you know where you understand uh, that journey that arc and you start and you close it you you meet the character and you say goodbye that's it and rogue one had the opportunity to be different to have a different tone to be acted by by people you wouldn't expect to see in in the star wars universe it was more violent it was darker and 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 we got away with that and actually audiences really liked it they liked it a lot and and that's why we are doing andor you know uh, because there was an audience that appreciate what, what rogue one brought to the, the the star wars universe so we were asked and meant to be different and uh, and and i think you you wouldn't call tony gilroy if you didn't want that you know uh, tony gilroy is it's such a like such a different writer you know i can tell you that i have never felt that energy uh, with anyone else you know the the way he he makes everything every step every character every line meaningful you know uh, there is a reason for everything uh, that you'll see if you sit down in front of him there's no answer uh, that he can't give you you know uh, he thought of everything before before sharing it you know it's uh, it's quite quite impressive to see 
how much in control he is of his story. And everything is real. Everything has to feel real. There's a logic that applies to everything. Uh, and, uh, and that's beautiful, you know, as actors, as designers, everyone in the team, when, you, when the material is that good, when the material is that solid, that kind of like, a, uh, how do you say, robust, you know? Yeah. Uh, not, nothing is light. Nothing is just there because it's cool. Nothing is just there because, well, let's, let's excite people. No, there has to be a meaning for everything. And there's a purpose and uh, and also the, there's ideas behind what we're doing, you know. The, there is there is a, a point of view, a strong point of view uh, that we all share because he is a great collaborator. I can't stop talking about, uh, about Tony Gilroy because I believe this is what it is because he managed to put together the right team that understood his voice. I like telling this story. He calls me once and says, like, look, this is what I have in my mind, but I'm not going to go write it until you tell me if you like it or not and why. You know? And he, he <laughs> told me the whole story of season one. You know? uh, obviously, they, it wasn't as specific and as ready as, as, as yeah. what you've seen, but structurally and, uh, and, and, and what he had in mind and what characters and the possibilities. And I was impressed by the amount of work he did before he even put it on a piece of paper, you know, and how open he was to be questioned when he had something so great. Then another, another, I mean, this is me as an actor and a producer. I was like thrilled. I gave my opinion. I said, please go right. I'm with you. I, I couldn't be in better hands, you know, let's be partners and go all the way. But uh, then for example, the, the, the production designer, for example, he, he wants to write a scene. Uh, he first sits down with the production designer, tells him what scene he wants to write. He designs a, a place in front of Tony. They go back and forth. They end up designing the location where the scene is happening. And then he writes for that location. Therefore, it's already a collaboration, you know, before it's even written. <laughs> You see what I mean? Because he's not going to write and, and he wakes up and opens a window. He knows where the window is, what you would be seeing through that window. So the, the work of a production designer is very needed for him to get to write a page. And he's already working with someone else. Therefore, the production designer already owns the material in a way. As an actor, I owned it the moment he said to me, should I write this? You know. So for the moment, there's a script. We are a team. And we are there to defend every every idea he had, you know, because we are part of those ideas. It's a it's a big thing, you know. Not many people work that way. Not many people are willing to collaborate with that generosity, you know, in this business. And you can tell the way people talk about our show, like us, the team, you know. We all talk as if we were talking about the most personal thing, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and we're and we're doing Star Wars, you know. And it sounds like we are here promoting our little Sundance movie we've been doing <laughs> by selling our car and renting our apartment. Well, we'll just Absolutely. say we love Rogue One and we love Tony Gilroy and we love you. So yeah, you guys are on track. And it's also populated with all these rich characters that we hadn't met before. Do you have a favorite one that uh, is in the show for yourself? Oh man, every, like in every block, I have my favorites, you know? Um, I tell you one thing. I thought I knew what the series was about. I thought the journey of Cassian was clear for me. 
I could map the whole journey before we started shooting. But then I realized that the moment an actor came and portrayed a role, that was the moment where I was going to understand w- what that person meant in Cassian's life, you know? The, the best example of this is the prison. I thought about the prison a lot. I thought about what that prison meant, you know? Um, a place where you're nothing but a number, you're a white suit, you're there to to generate wealth uh, that you will never experience, you know? Uh, your life is completely disposable. 200 people are killed because there was a mistake. No matter, no one cares, you know? No one is even paying attention because they know you'll behave. Uh, you are nothing, basically, to them, you know? And I was thinking a lot about that. But when I started shooting, I realized how important it is to witness the transformation of Kino for Cassian. And that's because Andy Serkis. I mean, it was written. Yes, it was written. But the way Andy Serkis played that role at the beginning, that role he represents, that man that is impenetrable, uh, that is never going to think he could be part of of a movement of change, or fight for the, the others. Uh, and then the transformation, you know, that comes. And, and the way Cassian realizes he can be a leader, he can make someone change his mind, you know, he can trigger what needs to be triggered for someone to be awakened. Uh, so the importance of that relation, I realized when we were shooting, you know, and it's because of what the actor brought, you know, to set. It's because of of of, of how Andy tackled Kino, uh, and uh, this to say that uh, every character, every actor has has made me change a little bit the trajectory of of Cassian. You know, the one I the one I I mapped at the beginning has changed because of these encounters. And as an actor, I, I can just I can just celebrate that, you know, because it's in the casting process that we've been lucky enough to find people that came and contribute to make it even bigger, to 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 take the next step. And man, I mean, I, I, working with Fiona, working with Stellan, obviously with Genevieve, with Denise, with I mean, Kyle, it's it's incredible. Like I I can't tell you. I don't think there's been a day where I'm, I don't feel challenged uh, on the set of Andor, you know, by the other actors. Uh, and uh, I've been really lucky to, to have the time to enjoy each relation uh, with these people that have joined the family. And, uh, and again, as an actor, I think Cassian is just richer and richer because of what other actors have brought, you know, because that's what the story is about. The story is about what, what needed need to happen in the life of someone to get there? What did he have to witness, and who who did he meet? You know, what 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 are those encounters he had? You know, it's what matters here. Where did he learn that from? How? What need? What what happened? Well, it's what these actors are bringing, and and it's uh, just spectacular, Adria. And the ones to come, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, you know, so this is like a slow burn radicalization his first year. But, you know, season two is said to be, you know, essentially, I think, four chapters. Does that like fundamentally change the show or at least turbocharge its pace and momentum? And, you know, Melshi, I was like, oh, wow, you know, wow. Are we going to see, you know, some of that like walking into, I don't think Tony said like, you know, walking into Rogue One eventually. 
Well, we are. Yes, this the one thing we've said and 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 and, and everyone knows is that the next season ends, you know, just just before Rogue One. We're gonna get all the way there, you know, and uh, many things are, are gonna happen that that I think people are expecting, you know, uh, and uh, uh, I, I can't say what's happening and what's not. Uh, people would have to be patient, uh, <laughs> but definitely, I mean, there's no way to avoid it, right? We are heading there, but uh, the, as you said, the pace is gonna change, but structurally, it's not gonna change that much because we shot this in blocks of three. Each block of three has a different director, therefore uh, a different energy, uh, a different pulse, uh, a, di- a different point of view. And you can tell, you can tell. And, and, and that's why I think, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, how episode three was really important and you could feel the reaction. Oh my God, what's happening? Wow, okay. And then it happened with six. And then it happened with 10. I mean, there is, there is blocks in our show, you know, uh, and, and we prepare. I, as I said, like this show has all, all the action you expect from Star Wars. But the thing is, we get you ready for that action in a way that is very methodic, very patient, you know, because one thing is to, be, to see action and the other is to really care about those who are living that moment, that event. And when you care, the action magnifies, you know, the action becomes like, there's no money that could pay that, you know. And, uh, and it's because we spend the right time with these characters before they're in danger or in that very specific moment where their choice matters and their lives depend on that. Uh, we spend the time, we get to learn who they are. We go intimate in their lives, you know, uh, and then the action, yeah, can be very powerful. Well, now we're going to do that. We're going to do blocks of three that, uh, that are going to uh, take us through four years. And it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be quite interesting to, to witness, I think. Another, another important thing, and, and, and this we can't deny is that when we started doing this, none of us had done something in this format. We were thinking film, you know, and now we, we understand what it is to deliver something that comes weekly, you know, and, uh, and that rhythm, what it means. And obviously that learning will reflect on the result of, 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 of the next season, I'm sure. Cool. Yeah, it's well, a wonderful show. We, we absolutely adore it. I, I just want to thank you again for taking the time and, and speaking with us. We yeah, really we can't appreciate wait it. For, can't wait to see it. Let me say one thing just because you yeah. also you <laughs> talk to a, a very specific uh, chunk of the audience. You know, I, I have to say that I feel blessed to be part of this universe and, and for the love we've received so far. It's uh, it's incredible, the connection, uh, you know, and, and the connection that I, these days we can witness, you know, through social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful uh, to see the love for this story and to be part of this. Uh, I feel I feel blessed. And I just want to thank everyone for really all that rich. support. It's really rich. You guys have earned it. It's amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.